For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. this moment and it's finally arrived welcome on in everybody we are in the midst of the madness if you will no it's not the big tournament but once conference tournament play hits you're in the thick of it believe in jayhawks basketball show in the believe podcast network or the believe network i think it's more than just podcasts these days either way this is the place to be right now a lot of good stuff in terms of March Madness. A lot of good stuff in terms of college basketball. You know this is the spot for all things Kansas Jayhawks basketball. And honestly, I like to think college basketball nationally as well. I'm going to break it down for you. Have kind of um, a singular focus kind of show today. I'm recording this actually on the verge of tip as KU is getting ready to take on TCU, this could be our very first live reaction type of episode. I won't have it be a two-hour episode, but it could be kind of fun because what I want to get through today is going to piggyback off of what sort of transpired through the end of last week into early part of this week, which is, yeah, Kansas won the Big 12 or, or got the share of the Big 12. That's awesome. You know, I don't necessarily love sharing conference titles but Kansas did end up with the one seed I'm not sure what the tiebreaker was but they did end up with the one seed here in the conference tournament which means one of these tiebreakers went Kansas's way which to me means they're the ultimate champion right all right way to go and of course Baylor just farted out of the tournament so now Kansas their path to a number one seed in the big dance as well as an opportunity for a big 12 tournament title opened up like that beautiful Red Sea out there in the Middle East. So the opportunity is there. It's not going to be easy. They take on TCU in about seven minutes, which, as we remember from last week, those games against TCU were not easy. And waiting on the other side of the bracket is either Oklahoma, the Storm and Normans, or the Stormers from Normer. <laughs> uh, they're the ones who took out Baylor. So they're no chopped liver. Or it's Texas Tech, who, of course, is a really good team, probably angling for either a two, maybe a three seed. I think they deserve a two seed in the big dance. So even if Kansas gets past their nemesis, their nemesis, uh, the TCU Horned Frogs, which, hey, good to see you again. Long time no see. Uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk in the championship game, but it's in Kansas City, of course. And I truly, legitimately am jealous of everyone who is in the KC area, the breadbasket, the Midwest, 
who gets to partake in Big 12 tournament activities. It is legitimately a wonderful experience. In my book, for my money, it's as good of a conference tournament environment and location as there is. Yes, the Pac-12's in Las Vegas. That's fun. That's whatever. But the city swallows up an event like that. You know, it's not a big deal. Yes, there's going to be things to do. Yes, you can partake. But are you really going to run into fellow Pac-12 fans in and around Las Vegas? I mean, maybe a little bit here and there, but it's not the same. You know, the ACC is in Brooklyn. The Big East is in New York, uh, in Manhattan, on Manhattan. That's not the same. That's not a big deal. Oh, my God. An NC State fan just saw a Clemson fan from across a brunch table in a New York deli. Oh, how crazy is that? That's not the same. Whereas all of these Midwest fans, all these Big 12, all these schools from the Plains, unless you're West Virginia in which you have emerged from the coal mines, or, you know, all 17 schools from the state of Texas within our conference, they converge right there in the center of Kansas City. The power and light district gets lit, pun intended. And it's awesome. Yes, the tournament is carried by KU fans and the KU presence, but that's the way to do it. Every conference has flagship programs. And if they're going to be there for a while, then play to it. Iowa State draws well. They kind of laid an egg last night against Texas Tech, but it happens. Texas will bring some people, depending on how they feel about their team. Baylor depends on the year, of course. They're gone now, too. K-State, if they've got a solid team, they're going to come on down for sure. I love Big 12 tournament time, and I love that season in Kansas City. It's an era of renewal. Uh, I did see Batman twice already, so I'm not playing off of that renewal theme either. But, um, it, it, you know, the spring is starting to get sprung. little chill, little freshness. I know it just snowed before the first set of games in Kansas City, but it's amazing, and I hope everyone enjoys it that's there. Uh, speaking of K-State, a little bit of news and notes from around the Kansas basketball world before I get to the meat of this episode. It's the type of episode that I've workshopped already. <laughs> yeah, this is good stuff. Um, news about K-State as well as Missouri that just broke a few minutes ago, and the game's about to start. I'm going to pull this up and have a live reaction. Um, oh, someone's actually even asking about it right now. Hold on a second. I'm recording... As we speak, brother. All right. Um, from K-State, Bruce Weber, quote-unquote, resigned. But we all really know that he got pushed out. So Bruce Weber, out. And then the news just broke from Missouri. Kwanzaa Martin, also out. The head coach at Missouri. Uh, that sounds like it's going to be a direct lead to Kim English coming from the Patriot League and George Mason, and probably taking over at his alma mater next year, uh, Kim English, former player. You may remember him from that really good 2012 team, uh, the team that lost to Norfolk State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, interesting news from around, I mean, the KU sphere. In terms of Bruce Weber, uh, look, he went out like he came in, squeaking and acting like a clown. <laughs> uh, his farewell press conference, the other night after K-State lost unceremoniously to West Virginia, he was sitting there saying, you know, we did things the right way. I'm not even going to try to mimic him. We did things the right way here. 
you know, there's some schools that you know, I thought I'd cut my hair because his hair looks ridiculous. He looks like an idiot. I thought I'd cut my hair after schools got punished that were involved with the FBI. Wink, wink, right? Wink, wink. Yeah, we 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 see you, Bruce. We see you. Um, yeah, he's a wiener. He's not a winner. Remember, he got to the lead eight, had an opportunity to get to the final four before he lost to Loyola Chicago, the Ramblers. So, yeah, Bruce Weber out. I don't like that move personally because he's the perfect mix of hateability along with K-State. Would put together a solid team every now and then, but was never really going to challenge Kansas in terms of superiority within the conference. So, no, I always worry, like, maybe they get it right on the next hire. I love Frank Martin. When Frank was there, it's like, wow, this guy's crazy, but damn, is he not entertaining. And I think Bill self-respected him as well. Uh, If they had hired Brad Underwood, who's now at Illinois, who knows, right? He did a pretty good job at Oklahoma State. He's got a decent program, a modicum of success going at Illinois. Thank goodness that Brad Underwood didn't get hired at K-State. But of course, the huge news is, well, Oche Abaji winning Big 12 Player of the Year. That was huge. And that's going to lead into our next segment. But come on, let's all quickly have a moment. Let's have a laugh at Coach Mike Krzyzewski. (laughs) Carlos Boozer in the house. Jay Williams in the house. Jay Billis, of course, calling the game on TV. JJ Redick, Grayson Allen, that rat. Uh, Shane Battier, Mike Dunleavy. They were all there for Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham, North Carolina, to take on their heated rivals, the North Carolina Tar Heels, who are mediocre at best. The team that Duke stomped in Chapel Hill just a month ago, and they lost. Oh, look, they may go on a March run. I hope to God Duke loses in the first in the first game they play this year. They probably won't. Bancaro is just too good. But my goodness, I'm hoping he doesn't have the final laugh because to lose that game. In that manner, with him once again acting holier than thou and telling his student section to be quiet, I'm talking here. No, this wasn't good enough. His players looked devastated. The arena was in shock. Jerry Seinfeld was there for some reason, alongside Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, and they couldn't believe what they had just seen. What's the deal with Duke losing this game? That may or may not have been good, but I enjoyed it. That was that was rich. That was fantastic, and that's a moment in college basketball that I'll never forget. The loss of Coach K in his final game at Cameron Indoor to a really bad North Carolina team that I think they're going to make the tournament now, mostly based off of the backs of that victory in Durham, but this ain't that good of a Carolina team. Come on. Brady Manic, look, Brady Manic is their best player. And you know Brady Manic from his time in Oklahoma, where he had his moments, right? But that's he's not best player in North Carolina. Good. Come on. But let's get to the meat of this episode. Oh, let me turn on the game. This is gonna be a reaction episode while I talk about this uh this main topic. It is now the top of the hour. Let me get to it. Let me get to it. 
watch, 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 ESPN app. I'm going to do this at the same time. This is really good radio. Click. All right. ESPN 2. This is a big game. Come on. This is a Big 12 championship semifinal. Ridiculous. Who's on? Oh, that's who's on ESPN. Speaking of Duke. All right. You hear it in there? There it is. All right. TCU, Kansas. They're doing their pregame package, which means I have time to really get into the main portion of today's episode. I have workshopped this episode. I've gone over it with the fans, with the people, with my friends. And I saw this on Twitter. I'm a little embarrassed that I'm bringing it to the show, but it really made me think. So let me know your thoughts after you hear what's going on here on Twitter at Joe nasty 90 on Instagram at Jonas N three one Oh, Hey, Chris Budden doing a great job of sideline working as, as always. Um, so here's the deal. The question was, where is Ochai Abaji? Where is he on the leaderboard on the rankings in terms of all-time Bill Self players? Like he's not. Oh, Mike Miles got hurt. That's too bad. Um, he's obviously not Will Chamberlain, Clyde Lavalette, Danny Manning. That's for sure. So I've sort of separated my list. And this is how we figure out where Ochai slots in. The biggest thing he has going for him, the biggest strength on his resume is that it's not finished, right? Oche Abaji, the Big 12 Player of the Year, who they're showing on my screen right now. Uh, the thing he's got going for him is that he is the Big 12 Player of the Year in his senior year. Has a great story of a guy that had his red shirt ripped off his freshman year. His scoring averages have grown every single year of his career. Let's see the opening tip. I bet Dave loses it. Oh, he won. No, but it went to a TCU player. But part of what went into my thinking is you got to take a career and you got to take accomplishments sort of into the full picture, right? Into the thought process. I say that because I legitimately am comparing Ochai against guys like Tyshawn Taylor. Tyshawn won the Big 12 every single year. Huge part of a team that went to the national championship game and lost to Anthony Davis. Maddening player, yes, probably doesn't have the career stats of Ochai Abaji. But you know what? Ochai on his ledger is a part of a, a freshman team that was really disappointing. Got annihilated by Auburn his freshman year. He's part of a team that was great his sophomore year, the, the team that got Corona canceled. But he was a bit player on that team and probably the fourth, if that, best player on that team. Last year's team was disappointing. And the story is still yet to be written. So that's for this year. So that's the deal with Ochai. Now, I have my list of about seven non-negotiables in terms of the players. Oh, be quiet, Eddie Lampkin. You don't have an ounce of muscle on you. The TCU center just scored a little hook shot. So I have my non-negotiables for the Bill Self era. In any order, this is not one, this is not one through seven. This is just the guys on the team. Thomas Robinson, Frank Mason, Devontae Graham, Mario Chalmers I have as a non-negotiable. That moment is enough as it is on top of the fact that I think he's just a really good player. Oh, Ochai Abaji for three. He's number one all time. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, Mario Chalmers, Sharon Collins, what he did his junior and senior year on top of his accomplishments, freshman and sophomore, I think was yeoman's work. He's a legend. Yudoka Azabuki. And then Marcus Morris is a non-negotiable. But to be honest, 
the Morris twins kind of get lumped in together. If it was just the Morai as one, that would be a top 10 all-timer for Bill Self. But as a singular, I put Marcus Morris. He is the one that has his number retired after all. So then we get into the debatables. This is where Abaji fits in as he misses a runner. So he gets knocked back down. So I think what Cole Aldrich did freshman through junior year was great. He's a debatable. I think Jeff Withy had an amazing impact. Brandon Rush probably should be top 10. Darrell Arthur, one of the more underrated superstars, I think, of the build self era. Tyshawn, just mentioned him. The quiet production and solid play of Perry Ellis for all four years. Yes, a maddening player. Oh, Christian Brown with a missed layup. Sviatoslav Mikhailuk, prayers for Ukraine. But sharpshooter, one of the best pure shooters of the Bill Self era, undoubtedly. I put Elijah Johnson, had some great moments. Of course, the performance against Iowa State is the standout moment of his career. A lead guard for a really good team that made the Sweet 16. In 2013, uh, yes, in 2013, I put I would say Ben McLemore is a debatable, and it's yes, it's one year, but man, was that the seismic impact? The guy who was drafted in the lottery, you know, maybe the best pure shooter above Mackay Luke. Uh, you you could argue that for Ben McLemore, and perhaps the most graceful dunker of Bill Self's time. I have Josh Jackson in here as a debatable. Why? Yes, one year, bad guy, really bad guy. But since Josh Jackson has come through the doors of Allen Fieldhouse, Bill Self and Kansas has not played traditionally with two bigs again. Josh Jackson changed the face of Kansas basketball aesthetically as we know it. And I think that deserves a lot of credit. Think about Devon Dotson. Think about Andrew Wiggins and think about Joel Embiid, right? And a guy that not a lot of people have talked about. What about Juju? Julian Wright. So that's the company that I think Ochai Abaji keeps when you talk about best players of the Bill Self era. Here's the thing. Online, I saw a lot of people going like Frank, T-Rob, Devontae, Sharon, and then Ochai Abaji fifth. And that's mostly the reason I'm talking about this topic. I like blanched at that. I audibly was like, what? My face scrunched. You know, we were talking about Jerry Seinfeld earlier. You could think about her like his stink face going, what? Kramer, what in the world? That, that was me when I saw Abaji finishing fifth. Now, the theme of what I'm talking about and the biggest strength he has, Christian Brown for three, bingo. Kansas is up by one, and nice shot. Good ball movement. <laughs> um, his story is still to be written. If Ochai goes on a great March run, I'll give him even to the Elite Eight. Scores about 15 points per game on a run to Elite Eight, maybe even the Final Four. You know what? We'll start chatting. We'll start chatting, right? then we can start talking about for sure in the top 10. Because, I look, he's in the debatables. I still even have a list of sentimental favorites, a.k.a. glue guys. That's where I put guys like Marcus Garrett, Russell Robinson, Travis Relliford, great defensively, Mitch Life. Oh, no, no, that's uh, 
that's an edit. Let me uh, edit that. Someone stuck that in there. Let me scratch that out. But in terms of big men who actually played to their size and were very effective, what about Darnell Jackson, right? D-Jack, D-Block, pounding his fist, uh, pounding his chest, excuse me, after every single dunk. A little disappointing for the first few years of his career. Unbelievable senior year. A huge part of Kansas's run to winning a national championship. So let me let, let me know your thoughts. Let me and let me tell you again my non-negotiables. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. T. Rob, and again, this is based off. You want to argue about Ben McLemore, Josh Jackson? It's only one year. Yeah, well, Thomas Robinson's up there, and he's a non-negotiable based off of essentially one each season, that 2012 season, right? So T-Rob, Frank Mason, Devontae Graham, Mario Chalmers for me is a non-negotiable. One of the best on-ball defenders I've seen as it is. The shot is immediately identifiable and an all-time moment in college basketball history. He's got to be a part of it. Sharon Collins, unbelievable career. Yudoka Azabuki, most dominant force, perhaps, of the Bill Self era. And Marcus Morris. Sort of bridge that gap between traditional bigs and stretch uh, stretch forwards. So that's seven. And honestly, for me, the round out my top ten. And again, that's no, that's not an order. That was just the guys that I thought of. Although it is pretty close. I am putting, I'm putting Jeff Withy in there. I'm sorry. I I don't think people realize the impact Jeff Withy had. The all time block leader. Defensive anchor on teams that did transition into small ball. He made he made a championship game. Yes, he did. He was a focal point and essentially the reason him and Ben McLemore, why the 2013 team was so good. I think I want to put Withy in there. It's between him and Aldrich. Counted as the goofy white guy centers list. I think I'm putting Brandon Rush in there. Probably the Best NBA prospect other than Andrew Wiggins, at least coming in. Then it gets tough. You know, maybe I put Ochai Abaji right there at number 10. Maybe it's Ben McLemore, Josh Jackson. Maybe it's Darrell or Tyshawn. But that's that's the company I think Ochai's in at the moment. Yes, Big 12 player of the year. The Big 12 player of the year in the toughest conference in the nation and perhaps the toughest conference I've seen in years. But let's think about the whole career, right? One last time. This is what I'm sort of holding against Ochai. Freshman year, rips off the red shirt, comes out hot, fizzles out down the stretch. Kansas gets destroyed by Auburn. And that was a team that was overwhelmingly preseason number one, if I remember correctly. Nice little hook shot from Mitch Lightfoot. You know, I might have to do a list of the best weapons under Bill Self and Mitch Lightfoot, as much grief as I just gave him, the hook shot over the left shoulder, he's pretty automatic, but he's got to be in the right position. He's not going to bully ball anyone. Uh, sophomore year for Ochai, bit part, maybe the fourth best player on an unbelievable team. But Azabuki, Dotson, Garrett were all more influential on that group in a team that, of course, we don't know much about. If he has a national title on his record, you know, maybe we're having a different chat, a uh, different conversation. 
but he doesn't. It's unfortunate. All our lives sucked at that point. Junior year last year, inconsistent team once again, disappointing, gets destroyed by USC in the tournament. And here we are. Big 12 player of the year, senior year, should be around a lottery pick. Left shoulder hook, automatic for Mitch Lightfoot. What do you want? Again, I'll give him all the grief, but I'll give him the credit he deserves. He's automatic over the left shoulder. So let me know your thoughts. <laughs> this uh, this conversation got a little bit different because my my attention is now a little split. But hey, nothing nothing wrong with a little live reaction, right? So I appreciate everyone listening. Enjoy the rest of this game. I know I will. Kansas is currently up fourteen to nine as they're on a seven zero run. Enjoy Selection Sunday. I will be heading out of town this weekend, um, but I should be home in time to record next week, either before Kansas playing on a Friday or after they play on a Thursday. Again, Kansas looks very likely and very strong. Was that blocked? Uh, That is a shot clock violation. Very nice. Good defense. Kansas is angling towards a one seed. I don't see how they don't get it. And the regionals this year, the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, are in San Antonio, Chicago, Philly, and San Francisco. You can lock in uh, Gonzaga to San Francisco, which really stinks. Oh, there's an alley-oop. Nice. That really sucks for Arizona. I'm sure every year they think they're good. They think they're probably birthrighted to a, a West Coast regional, but no. Gonzaga looks like they'll probably be heading to San Francisco. And then... That leaves Kansas. I don't know what's actually closer on the map, technically, San Antonio or Chicago, but spiritually, it feels like Kansas should go to Chicago, right? Like the Midwest flavor, upper upper Midwest. I know the Big 12 is hunkered down in Texas for the most part. Some really great defense from Kansas so far. Uh, another shot clock violation. Good for them. Uh, so if you're getting tickets, I would take a look at those two cities because they're not going to Philadelphia or San Francisco. Enjoy Selection Sunday. This is always an amazing time of the year, and it gets everyone talking about college basketball. I've got people messaging me about Kansas basketball that usually wouldn't just so they kind of have an idea of what to expect come tournament time. Uh, Should I be recording next year? (laughs) Next year. Next week, we will get into what I foresee is the biggest issues for Kansas or or the matchup problems. Nice move from Jalen Wilson down low. Yep, there's the timeout from Jamie Dixon. Kansas is rolling. The Hawks are cooking, baby. Up by nine. Is that Lisa Wilson? How you doing? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jamie Dixon's taking a timeout. I probably should take a timeout as well. There's Tyrell Reed. There's a guy that should be on the all-glue team for sure. He and Brady Morningstar, right? Just not top 10 all-time under Bill Self. I'm getting scatterbrained. I'm all over the place. Thank you as always. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. If you are in the Kansas City area, go partake in the experience at the very least while staying safe, of course. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. I love it. I'm, I'm truly jealous. Uh, best wishes to the Hawks as they are playing right now. Like I said, things are looking okay. But I bid you a great weekend. And as always, rock chalk. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.